Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Redefining Security podcast. Have you ever thought that we are selling cybersecurity insincerely, buying it indiscriminately, and deploying it ineffectively? Perhaps we are. So let's look at how we can organize a successful InfoSec program that integrates people, process, technology, and culture to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. iTrust is a leading data protection standards development and certification organization that strives to safeguard sensitive information and manage information risk for global organizations across all industries and throughout the third-party supply chain. Learn more at HighTrustAlliance.net. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. Marco. Sean. How often do you uh, look at that textbook from high school? Oh, man. Those are in my home in uh, my parents' home in Italy. And uh, they don't throw away anything. So when I go there, I have all this memory from <laughs> from what I used to stress about. So not textbook for me, but at the time, internet wasn't the big thing. Now you, you, know, you find every answer you need right there. And, uh, and there's the community. All, so, all the answers are there, Marco. Just, if it's on the internet, yeah, it's on the internet, it must be true. You just need to know how to search for it, then and you can be a, a rock star uh, cybersecurity professional. There you go. There you go. Do, do you do you look at textbooks? Do you, do you have yeah, those? Yeah, I'm always looking at those. Always looking. You go at the library. <laughs> no, I'm poking fun a little bit here because what what, I, what we're going to get into, and I'm I'm thrilled we we have Eric Thomas on with us. Eric, thanks for joining. Absolutely, off. absolutely. And uh, there was a post on Twitter, which is where I'm, I get a lot of my inspiration from social media. It, it all started with a tweet. It always right? starts with a tweet. Isn't that yeah. how it always works? <laughs> <laughs> but some, certain things bubble up, and, and when I drill into them, some rise even further uh, to the surface. And this particular post was about um, how we approach cybersecurity training and the way we think about that, and the response in this thread for I'm in, sign me up, how <laughs> do I do it, was, was pretty, uh, pretty spectacular. So I'm like, I want to get on with Eric and talk to him about what's going on. How are we missing the mark for cybersecurity training connected to the reality of uh, security operations and incident handling and meeting uh, regulatory requirements, you name it, right? There's so many things to look at, privacy and, and all kinds of things. I'm not going to pretend I know what I'm talking about. We're going to get into the conversation. I'm going to let Marco do all the talking. I'm just joking. We're going to we're right. gonna hear some cool stuff, Eric. And Eric, before we get into it, uh, maybe a few words about uh, your path and experience that led you to today and some of the things you're up to. Absolutely. Uh, Eric Thomas, uh, uh, professionally, 
uh, do a couple things uh, all surrounding cybersecurity. Uh, most of the time uh, during the day, I uh, work as a lead cybersecurity analyst, uh, focusing on security operations and cloud security. Uh, and then once I clock out for that one, I go ahead and clock in as an instructor uh, for security operations and SOC analyst training for Cover 6 Solutions. Uh, and again, mostly focusing on uh, that hands-on sort of workshop style uh, workshop style of training uh, and, you know, working with peers and working with other professionals. So, uh, yeah, glad to be here. Uh, been in been in IT now for about uh, 15 years. Uh, I joke and tell people it's it's literally well, it's not a joke. It's literally the only thing I've ever done. Um, uh, I, I like most millennials. Uh, I taught myself HTML so that I could have a cool MySpace. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's where my story begins. Nice. <laughs> so let's talk about MySpace then. That's right. That's a good thing. <laughs> that's what we should talk <laughs> about. Man. What that happened? That was cool. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was cool. Um, so let me let's talk about how you or why you became an instructor first, and then we'll get into some of the the content elements. Um, we see different organizations offering trainings and different courses. What what prompted you to take an opportunity to create content that others could be interested in and and then leverage? That's a great question. So, uh, like I said, been in IT for a really really long time, and so uh, I've taken tons of training. Just invested so much time and money into training, and over those years, what I sort of noticed was. I noticed a couple of things, right? Everything was centered around some certification, right? So uh, you're learning uh, based on these objectives of the certifications. Uh, and as I started to transition through my career, you know, I was a network engineer before I got into cybersecurity. As I was transitioning through my career and taking this training, I realized that none of them ever taught me how to do the job. Uh, you know, I, I would get the certification, right? I would learn some sort of basic terms and definition. You know, every single test you take is going to tell you about the OSI model, uh, you know, uh, but none of them really taught me how to do the job. So I, I'd go and I, you know, I get my, my CCNA, right? And now it's like, yeah, I know, I know iOS commands, right? But do I know when I should use them? Uh, do do I have the, the they, none of them gave me the critical thinking uh, aspect of uh, what it takes to be in technology and even more so what it takes to be in cybersecurity. And so that that was one of the things that motivated me. Uh, I, I wanted to create something and be a part of something uh, that was more than just we're going to give you the answers to that. We're going to give you the information you need to answer these test questions. Right. Or we're going to give you more than the more than just you know click here click there we want to tell you okay this is why you should click here this is what you're looking for and this is the thought process that goes goes you know goes into bridging the gap between step 1 and step 2 this is the the thought process that that you know that sits right in between there so that was sort of my motivation for training um uh, it, it's you know it's a it's a repetitive saying but I wanted to create the thing that I, you know, that I wish I had if, if you know, if that's the TLDR version of it. Well, I, I definitely um, love that. And I, I'm going to go back into the, the, the intro from Sean with the, with the textbook. And I go back into years and years ago when I was a student and I, I feel like I'm still learning every day. Right. But when, when you are preparing for something, a test or a certification, as you mentioned, 
it's almost like you just need to understand the theory and how to answer the question they ask you. But then again, you're thrown into the real world mm -hmm. where you realize that you're never really finished with learning. So exactly. how do you how do you confront yourself with a community, learn from the community and write your own book as you go, you know, as a, as a metaphor. So I love the fact that, that you did that. And uh, we, we had a few episodes, uh, not even too long ago, about the meaning and the importance of certification for this industry, which maybe more than even others are, it's so dynamic. So yeah. tell me the, the feedback that you got right on that post and what does that tell you about this need in the community? Yeah, so it's funny because when I when I made that post, uh, it was it was almost uh, it was almost me venting, right? Like um, <laughs> uh, I just got done taking some CISSP training, and I'm just like, God, you know, <laughs> look, don't come for me, ISC square. But I'm just like, this is so just repetitive, and I mean, just you know, it, it's 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 so just. I don't know. It's it's so textbooky, if you will. Mm. Um, and so me making that post, I'm just like, hey, I really want a training that you know that gives me that same feel as I would get when I would go to conference workshops, right? When you go to you know these different these different uh, vendors who may also do certifications, but when you go to you know when you're doing Boss of the Sock at a Splunk conference, or you know you're doing uh, some of those more specific trainings uh, with Sans, I wanted something that felt more like just those breakout sessions where you know you got a bunch of professionals sitting in a room, laptops out, and we're solving a problem, uh, and it's and we're using real world case studies uh, and not the real world in air quotes case studies, but no, it's like, Hey, these, this is actual data. This is actually what happened. This is actually how this threat actor was able to walk through these attack steps. Um, and so when I made that post, I was just talking about that. Like, I think I, I don't remember the exact post, but I think it started off just by saying, uh, I want to create a training for, for SOC analysts. That's, that's hands-on that's, you know, that's real world. And, at the time, um, at the time, uh, I was still just a guest lecturer uh, for Cover Six, right? And at the time, I wasn't—I I don't want to say I wasn't serious because I was serious that I wanted to, right? But I—it I, it hadn't crossed my mind to create my own course yet or to create my own training. And uh, as Sean mentioned, just people started responding, like, "Yeah, where do I sign up?" And I'm just like, "Oh, wait, I don't." I don't have a thing yet. Um, <laughs> there is nothing to sign up yet. <laughs> right. right. People are just like, where do I sign up? Can you send me a link? And so for me, the initial reaction was, okay, uh, at first, it's, it's like, I feel seen, right? I'm not the only one who who wants this kind of training. Uh, there are other people in across disciplines within technology who want something like this because I, and I assume that they've shared the experience that I shared where you went and you got a certification, you passed that certification, you, you know, it gets you through that applicant tracking system and you feel confident going into that job the first day. And then they sit you down and they give you your, or, you know, maybe you go through a couple of weeks of training or a month of training and they sit you down and say, do something. And you're like, what? <laughs> um, this, the, uh, you know, I, I Am I am I supposed to create a VLAN or because that's that's the thing that was on my test. I'm really good at that. That's right. Right. Just jump in. Now, I want to I want to touch on something here because 
I, I hold a CISSP, which you're right, is very textbooky. Mm -hmm. So I understand a lot in theory, and I can unpack a lot of it, and, and I think do a decent enough job to at least understand and communicate and talk about <laughs> the, the subjects. I'm also a program manager by, by, uh, by mindset, if you will. Uh, when I built products, hundreds, hundreds of products I released at Symantec when I was there. So I can run a program. Marrying those two in a security operations environment, I feel I'd have a really difficult time with. And it's that connection between here are the basics, here are the principles, here are the best practices, here are the terms, here is the lingo, here's all that stuff that you get with a certification and maybe even some trainings. And then build a program. Well, which program? You, even in your description, uh, you, you run security operations and cloud security. Those are two different things you call that separately. So even just that, and I, we, we interviewed uh, CISO of TikTok. I think he had 19 practices within his security organization mm -hmm. from policy and privacy to operations to respond. And I'm not going to list them all. So how do you take a training or a set of knowledge tie it to a program or many programs in a meaningful way? And, and how, do you, how do you do that in some of the training that you're working on? So so I think the, the first thing that we kind of focus on is uh, making sure that uh, we making sure that we take those terms, those definitions, uh, these processes sort of that, that you've sort of memorized. And our, our first thing is to fill in the gaps. Right. That's that's my first approach. So so if you take something like um, we'll say something simple that everybody's seen. Right. You take something like the OSI model. Right. And OSI model is going to give you all of these protocols that work at all of these layers and all of these devices of that that work in all these layers. And you, from a concept standpoint, learn about encapsulation and de-encapsulation. Right. But do you know what that looks like on the wire? And not just as a term. Right. If, if you know, if I gave you a PCAP and I say, hey, I need to I need to understand um, what 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 type of get what what get request was made. Right. That's that's not on your that's not on on your, on your certification. Right. So uh, we, we sort of take uh, the foundation of those things. And, and you know, I, I want to be clear, I'm not against certification at all. And I think some of the training that I've some of the training that I've gotten in certifications has been fundamental to me, understanding the language and, and making sense of the way technology people speak uh, at all levels. Right. Uh, so the, it's it's really important. But then there's a gap. Right. So it's like I can tell you how the OSI model works, but what our training does and what I think that training for cybersecurity and even other technology disciplines should do is fill in the gaps. Right. So tell me how the OSI model works on the wire. You know, if can you find a get request? Can you find, a, you know, you know, you, we know about the three way handshake. Right. Can you find it? Uh, can you can you tell me the two devices that it was between? And then and then we we sort of do what's called scaffolding, which is a principle of, of pedagogy. Right. We sort of do what's called scaffolding where we say, OK, now you know where to find it. Right. Now tell me the two systems that um, that made that connection. And then the next layer that we add is, OK, now is that normal for your organization? Should those two systems be talking? 
That's because because when you're when you're in a sock or even and especially when you're in a cloud environment and you're analyzing that kind of stuff, those are the things that could become important. Right. No normal so that you can detect evil. And so those are the kind of things that should become important. Should these two systems even be communicating? Why are they communicating? What type of traffic is going between those? And again, it goes into that critical thinking piece of where we have to we have to be able to say, Okay, yes, I see what's happening between these two systems because I've learned Wireshark. So I, I know Wireshark. I know how that technology works. I know the OSI model. So I know how that foundational principle works. But now I can take that technology that I've learned, that principle that I've learned, I can apply some critical thinking to it and I can say, okay, based on the packet I have in front of me and other firewall logs that I have, it's not normal for these two systems to talk. So even if I'm not looking at something that's malicious right now, I need to figure out why these systems all of a sudden started talking. When did when did they started talking? What are they saying to each other? How often are they talking? How big are the packets that they're sending? And so that sends you down a whole nother road of that analysis process that's critical for any SOC analyst. So that's sort of how we build our training. And then there are other things. Uh, one, of the, one of the first things I teach all of our students is, um, you know, you just got the job. Woohoo. Yay for you. You got your acceptance letter. You're walking in to that, to, to, the, to the, the, the famous new hire orientation. It has nothing to do with technology. You're not sitting at a keyboard and you just want to get out of there. Right. But here's the thing. You're missing one of the most critical pieces of intel you could get about your company. You're learning that organizational structure. You're learning departments. You're learning who department heads are. You're learning where and who has the information that you need. And so, you you know, we all always tell them to look for the who, what, when, and why, right? Who who works for your company? Where are they located? So now, you know, we, we've all seen it. New SOC analysts, right? They see some traffic come from, from you know, from Taiwan. And they're like, oh, my God, it's a hack. There's traffic coming from Taiwan. It's like. No, we have a contractor in Taiwan. And if you would have paid attention in orientation, maybe you would have known that. Uh, so things like that, that, you know, those critical thinking aspects, that organizational understanding, knowing those patterns of business activity are critical for SOC analysts, but nobody's teaching it. You know, nobody's telling them, hey, you got to know this stuff. I, I love all that. And I'm thinking, so new, new hire is a one, one shot and you're done, but they're probably company updates quarterly, if not annually, uh, or annually, if not quarterly, I should say. Um, that's great advice. I'm wondering, can you give me some additional examples of some things? Because I love what you're saying. Uh, I'm going to step back here. There's the, the, the concept of security management. Mm -hmm. And then there's the questions that are driven by the concept that bring it closer to the business and you describe can can you take a B cap and and what are you going to be looking for? Then there's the actual what's in that tap mm -hmm. <laughs> to actually to see the bits crossing the wire and to know what you're looking for. How important is that part? And uh, I've done some some courses at, at Pepperdine where the students the, the thing to ask for all the time is real world data. Can you, mm -hmm. can you get me something that matches what I'm actually going to be looking at when I get into an organization? So how that next level, describe to me how important 
and or how you bring that element to the training because it, it ultimately it's that information that's going to be necessary, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so I actually just had an example of this today. Um, I, I was working with a student during my office hours and, um, we were talking about the authentication process, Microsoft's authentication process. Right. Uh, and I said, I said to the student, how does, how does Kerberos work? And, you know, the student goes, explains it, you know, TGT and you know, KDC and blah, 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 all that. Right. Uh, goes into that. And I'm like, okay, do you know what happens in the logs? You see that? Because when you're on an investigation, knowing how Kerberos works is, it's important. It's it's pretty important, right? And that's where that's where that security plus understanding comes in, right? It's like I know how Kerberos how Kerberos works, but do you know how many log entries it's going to create, right? Do you know at which stages it's going to create those logs? Do you know what those Microsoft event IDs look like? You know, so we we sort of we sort of feel the need is to take even if it's not actual data from a production environment. Uh, we we know that we can use the the real world experience of looking at logs, whether it's in Splunk or whether it's in some order scene, uh, but looking at those logs and understanding what you're looking at so that as an analyst, you can go in and say, oh, yeah, I see 16 log entries here, but that's pretty normal. That's pretty normal for Kerberos because, you know, this student was going through an exercise and was like, I, I, you know, I think something's going on because, you know, I'm seeing you know, 44 log entries uh, in a matter of seconds, in a matter of milliseconds. And she, she's like, oh, well, there's no there's no way a human could do that. And I'm like, well, OK, but do you know, do you understand the logs that you're looking at? And just there there are a, there are a few training organizations that are that do that and do it very, very well. Um, there is a point to be made there about accessibility and how and how well people who are new to the industry can afford uh, can afford those trainings or even if they've if they're proven enough within their organization for their organization to foot the bill for those trainings you know uh it, it's very unlikely that an organization is going to take a, a tier one sock analyst and send them to a seven thousand dollar training to learn how to read windows logs um so I think that we need more accessible training that teaches those real world things. Uh, like we said, looking at PCAPs, uh, looking at Windows event logs, knowing knowing what to look for in those logs. Um, something as simple as, you know, you're looking at a prefetch file. What do you do with it? Um, you know, uh, so things like that, I think, uh, how is how we how we can as an industry, as, as trainers and as educators start to bring that real world experience in. So uh not that we shouldn't teach the process of Kerberos. I think we should teach that. But after we teach that, there has to be something that says, okay, here's the process of Kerberos as a, as a theory, right? And as a protocol. And here's what it looks like when it happens on a Windows machine. All right. So let's get out of this uh, technical stuff. And let, no. let's, yeah, sorry. That's Isn't why, that why we're here. That's why you invited me. Uh, <laughs> No, I want to I want to extrapolate the the mental process from this and the teaching process, right? Because mm -hmm. many times the best teacher they say I don't teach things to students, I teach them how to learn. Mm -hmm. And I I heard that in, back in my day in college and I feel like 
I had some really good teacher that taught me how to be analytical, how to research, uh, yeah, how to be a librarian. Why there are so many librarians that are so good in cybersecurity? Because they have that system embedded in their head. Mm -hmm. So let's imagine maybe an opposite world from certification where there's no certification. You have to learn with your hands on it, like the real hacker that teach himself how to hack and stuff. So obviously I'm bringing them to the other extreme and we're going to have to find a, a middle, you know, a, a middle ground where this happened. But I'm wondering maybe we're missing a little bit more experience, hands-on experience mm -hmm. when you do this, these courses, like labs in, in a college, in a university and really like simulation. I don't know. Let, tell me, could you see a world without certification and i know you say it's important and i'm just being provocative here <laughs> can i see a world without certification um I, I think that's an interesting question uh i think that uh because within the it space within the technical space uh more and more often we're seeing companies drop their degree requirements right uh degrees essentially are the oldest form of certification we that we've ever had right you get a degree in something it's assumed that you've taken coursework that was relevant to doing that job uh, and i think that for us in the it industry certification sort of supplement that right uh, so i think it's hard to say uh, because if we didn't have certification i'm sure that we would come up with another way uh, because companies want that confidence that candidates have at least had some sort of theoretical training on 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 relevant terminology, on relevant definitions, on relevant technology uh, that they're going to encounter, you know, at, at a theory level. Uh, so I don't know if I can see a world without certification, uh, and I don't, and honestly, I don't know that I want to. Right? Mm. Uh, I think for for candidates and for people who are entering the industry for professionals, it gives us some sort of direction. It gives us some sort of direction. It gives us a career, sort of a career roadmap. Uh, certifications do a lot. Now, uh, and this may be for a whole nother podcast, I think uh, from an HR perspective, we put way too much emphasis on certifications and what certifications candidates should have. Uh, so I, I do think, you know, that's, that's like, again, that's, that could be a whole nother podcast itself. Right? No, no, that, that's exactly where I wanted to go. I mean, you, you need certain parameters to, to start the conversation, but then you can't just qualify someone based on that. And, or disqualify someone. Or disqualify yeah. someone. Because on the other world I mean, I, that I was envisioning is somebody that has no certification, but you do some kind of a test. Mm -hmm. When you apply for a job, and maybe turn out that you have no certification, but you know all those things. Yep. Just saying, you know, could be a possibility yep. as well. And each one of us learn in a different way. Some people are more hands-on and doing research. Some other, they need the guide of of a teacher. Yes, I, I absolutely agree. I, I think that what you're, the point you made about um, there being some sort of test, uh, I think I do think there should be an alternative to to certifications. Um, I got my first tech job, official tech job, uh, where I got paid by an actual company uh, when I wasn't designing MySpace pages. Um, I got my official tech job uh, because it was it was a computer repair shop on campus or near campus, right? That that serviced a lot of students. 
And uh, I saw that they had a help wanted sign in, in, in the window back when help wanted signs were a thing. Um, and this is, again, this is, it's, it's, I say it like it's a long time ago. This is in 2007. Uh, uh, you know, I, I saw that they were hiring. Uh, I went in, I told the guy, Mr. Spots, um, Hey, I, I know how to remove viruses, viruses from computers. And he's like, how I'm like, because a bunch of my friends had LimeWire and they got a bunch of viruses on their computer and, and practice. And, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm sure it, Mr. Spot still does things the exact same way. Now he had a stack of laptops that, that he needed to get out. And he said, show me, I'll pay you for the day. Um, and that's it. He, he told me that it, that was like a, a Thursday. He said, Hey, can you come back Monday and fill out some paperwork? Um, you know, uh, at the time I was 17. So I had to get, you know, a few, few things. He had to fax them to my parents, uh, cause in the States, you know, we have uh, certain child labor laws, but, yeah, that's I mean, that's how it worked. Right. And that was sort of that test. Um, now, I think to get there, though, that's where training comes in. Right. Because if we're going to if we're going to use that as some sort of a metric, then we have to be able to give people the training that's required for them to get those skills. We have to do it in high school. We have to do it you know, in colleges. And so to me, what that says is we got to teach them how to think. Right. Uh, we have this. Exactly. Um, we have this hack hunt tweet repeat approach to to, you know, to cybersecurity training where it's like, no, we got we got to teach you how to think. Uh, do you know what question to ask? You know, so now, I, I want to spend some time on this with you, Eric, because because yeah. as you were saying that I was and I was hoping you would go with the hack hunt tweet repeat uh, point, because there, there seems to be a lot of focus on hacking. Mm. and maybe maybe less on defense but in your story where you went into the to respond to the help wanted you focused on the outcome mm. i want to remove viruses that are impeding people from using their computer mm -hmm. and all too often i think we get hung up in how do i break that or or how how does this technology work and forgetting the the point that there's a business or a, an important process that somebody's using that's being impacted. How, how important is that? And, and how does thinking critically become even more important when you focus on the outcome? I think it's extremely important. Uh, there's, uh, and you've been in cybersecurity long enough to know that we have this term, right? The business. Uh, and we use it almost as if they're separate from us. Uh, and it is terrible. It is a terrible, terrible, terrible way of thinking. Um, separating the business from ourselves is 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 the type of thinking that as an industry we got to get rid of. Why? Because it creates training that is super isolated to what we want to do as security professionals, right? And it does take away from defense, right? Because people want to work without without the without the the influence of the business because. You know, hacking things is more fun and getting into things is more fun. Right. Um, trying to work with the business so that they can stand up this application that's critical to, to increasing revenue and you dealing with the stress of trying to make it more secure is not. Right. The business says, no, you have to have this application. And as a security professional, we have to we have to get used to the yes and type of approach to it. 
right? We got to stop saying no so much, you know? We got to stop saying no. We got to stop saying, oh, that's bad. And I'm not talking about the obvious things, right? The business comes and says, well, we don't like using passwords that are longer than seven characters. Oh, okay. Okay. You got you to gotta stop that, right? Uh, but it's like, as a, I think that when we start to think critically and we have that objective-based approach, instead of saying, I have to protect I have to protect my company from from somebody who's going to do recon and then, you know, then get action on objective. We have to say, no, I want to enable my company to do this business critical mission safely and by avoiding risk that brings on any compliance issues, any criminal issues that we may encounter. Uh, So we again, it's all about how we think. And so as trainers and as educators, we have to approach it from that standpoint. You don't come to my course to learn technology and learn how to be a better hacker or even learn how to be a better blue teamer. You come to my course to, first of all, understand uh, the importance of the work of a SOC analyst or a cloud security analyst. You come to my course to understand that. And then the second thing we're going to teach you is that your primary objective is to enable the business to make money because they sign the checks. Mm. Uh, and, you know, so that I think that objective ba- based approach is um, is what creates future leaders in our industry uh, because they want to enable business. Right. They don't want to impede anything. Uh, we've all heard it. What's the what's the what's the easiest way to, to make sure something is absolutely secure? Right. Just unplug it. <laughs> Just unplug it. Turn <laughs> it off. Don't let anything talk to it. Um, but that's also a 100% guaranteed way to make sure that your company goes under. Right. Uh, because, because you can't use the technology. So yeah, that objective-based approach is really, really important. And I think as educators and trainers, we have to approach, uh, we have to approach how we train with that mindset. And that's uh, sort of one of my, one of my gripes about that, you know, the whole, uh, Oh, let's, let's hack and the capture the flag style of learning. Right. It's nobody gives you context. Mm. Nobody gives you context. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. And it's kind of mixed what Sean said and, and where you're going with this, where maybe make it more focused to smaller objective, because some people may get into this industry thinking, I, I want to, the only way I have to feel that I'm good, and not have the famous imposter syndrome is mm-hmm. if I know everything. Well, for maybe the first thing you want to teach these kids is you can't know everything. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I want to be an engineer. Well, an engineer of what? Electronic engineer? You want to make bridges? You want to, What do you want to make? Airplanes? I mean, you can't be everything. Animatronics. Or animatronics. Animatronics. <laughs> is yeah. that your, your qualification? <laughs> it is. Uh, so, yeah, I mean... That's very important to teach how to learn. It's extremely important. Uh, I think the community is doing an excellent job in doing this, Um, at least on to go back on Twitter. Um, I'm sure MySpace would have done an excellent job as well, but we would never know. So some, how about finishing with some, some basic tips that, I mean, I know you've been kind of sprinkling this through the entire conversation, but if you want to sum it up for, you know, in, I don't know, three, four, five, whatever your call, like the most important things, honestly, that we could do now to, to make this training better. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think the first thing is, um, we have to, we have to, and this, this is across security. We have to stop, uh, marketing fear, uncertainty, and doubt, 
right? We have to stop approaching everything in cybersecurity, um, uh, you know, from an APT standpoint, right? Now, that's not to say we won't see them. And that's not to say that things like ransomware and, and those serious, serious uh, incidents, uh, they, they really affect the company. Uh, but we have to stop using that as a learning tool. You know, I don't, you know, we have to stop. Uh, I, I often say uh, less less critical alert and more critical thinking, right? So that's the first thing. And when somebody's starting off, let's not give them these use cases and scenarios of, you know, APT 31, you know, like let's, let's not give them those use cases, right? Let's, uh, let's, let's give them a use case of, you know, can, can you figure out if you're looking at, if you're looking at these logs or, or, you know, these events, how do you determine what normal is? I think that's the first step starting with, Let's let's learn what's normal. Let's get back to the basics. You don't have to know how a Windows kernel works, right? You don't have to know, you know, the in, by memory the process of a you know power on self check or self test, right? But you need to understand. Hey, what's the first process that starts on a Windows system? You know, what's process ID number four, and why is it important? You know, what does it mean? When you see something as simple as task manager, when you see a, a process start from a child item, right? Uh, so learning those basics before we get into can you detect privilege escalation, I think is important uh, in teaching those basics. Um, some other things, um, <coughs> excuse me, I said it before, we got to get rid of, we got to get away from the hack hunt tweet repeat style of training. Uh, everything's not about hacking in, in cybersecurity and information security. Everybody's not going to be a pen tester. Uh, there has to be somebody who, who wants to work on those, on the defensive side of things and who wants to work with red teams and pen testers to fix the problem because pen testers, their objective is to fix these problems too, right? They just have a different skill set. Um, you know, one of my best friends, uh, Tanisha Martin, founder of Black Girls Hack, shout out to her, is a red teamer, um, you know, and I learned just as much from her as I'm sure she learns from me, you know. Uh, so uh, we have to get away from the, you know, let's hack this thing uh, type of mentality. And we, we have to really get to a, a critical thinking uh, process approach. Uh, do you know what questions to ask? Do you know if that's normal? Do you know how to figure out if it's normal? Can you identify patterns? Pattern matching is so important as an analyst. You know, being able to say this user did the same thing for the last 20 days. And, you know, this user did the same thing every, every week. This this process happens. So I can rule this out as, as a normal behavior so that I can identify the other stuff. So I think those are some tips of. Um, as far as what we need to do uh, as, as an industry for education. And then for learners, I want to say practice critical thinking, practice pattern matching, uh, focus on the fundamentals um, and try to understand the why of everything you do. Uh, when you learn a term, when you learn a skill, if somebody, if, you know, if you take a course on Wireshark, the first question you should ask the instructor is, why do I need to use Wireshark? Why do I need to know what's in a packet capture? Uh, and, and, you know, some of those things, uh, there, there's, there's a lot, maybe one of these days I'll, I'll do a book or a blog post or something. <laughs> well, you have to let us know when you do that. Um, so we can, we can continue down this path. I think the, um, as, as you're describing all those things and like, 
I'm not going to be a practitioner <laughs> past that point in my life. But as I'm thinking about you. this, good for you. <laughs> uh, somebody thinking about getting started. There, there's so much in there that perhaps people might be overwhelmed with so many tips. Mm-hmm. Is there, I want to close with one. Is there one place to start? I know there's more than one, but if there's one place you could recommend how to get that first question raised so you know to ask it or that first thing to look at so you know what you're looking at. Where, how, do, how does somebody, is it social media and, and peers like yourself or what, what's, the, what's the answer there? I think it's, I think uh, I, I got, if I got to give one thing, uh, I do think social media, social media is super important. Uh, reaching out, networking, um, asking, you know, somebody who works as a SOC analyst or somebody who works as an engineer, hey, what do you do every day? You know, not about a specific technology, not about a certification. What do you do every single day? What's the what's what's the one thing that you do every single day? You ask a SOC analyst, uh, depending on where they work, they might say you should know how to analyze phishing emails. Right. Um, You know, you you ask an engineer uh, if you're if you're going to that level and they say they may say uh, you should know how to extrapolate, extrapolate what the customer needs from what the customer says they need. Uh, So I think just networking and reaching out uh, is really, really important. And I think that'll, that'll guide you down the right path. Also, I'm going to slide one in here on you. I'm going to cheat. John Strand has a talk from years ago about breaking into InfoSec uh, Black Hill Security. It is an amazing talk. Uh, and he goes through some really good things like learning an operating system and learning a scripting language and, and, and things like that. So I think that uh, reaching out to the community and I always, always, always recommend that to people. Love it. Cool. And of Love course, it. if you if you're interested, uh, my Twitter handles there if you like to <laughs> reach out yeah, to me we'll, for any we'll include trip. that and perhaps some some other resources uh, you want to share with us as well. And uh, sounds like you're open to, if you're sharing your Twitter handle, open to uh, questions through uh, through social media anyway. And I don't know, th- this has been super enlightening for me. Um, I think it, it's something we miss. We focus on both ends of this book. And, uh, and I think we're using this book incorrectly. We're using it to hold the room to the, uh, to the knock open. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have to swipe your badge to get in. Right, there are better right. ways to learn. And, and uh, Eric, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on the show to share your experience and how you learn and how you're sharing that and pay, paying it forward. Absolutely. I'm a, we had a great time. Yeah, this was fun. Maybe next time you come on, you tell us a little bit about hip hop history and, and you being will. a home chef. Oh, yeah. Oh, we yeah. can definitely talk about my terrible meals and hip-hop music. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's do that. Okay. We'll plan that. Hopefully everybody else, uh, like myself, uh, is thinking a bit here and uh, taking taking some notes to take some action. So thanks, everybody, for joining. Uh, we'll catch you on some uh, redefining security in the future. All right, gentlemen. Thank you. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com.
iTrust is a leading data protection standards development and certification organization that strives to safeguard sensitive information and manage information risk for global organizations across all industries and throughout the third-party supply chain. Learn more at HighTrustAlliance.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Security Podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.